WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. Many things said by his ex-teammates reflect on James Harrison in a negative light. But one thing should not. Not really. Bud Dupree fairly chortled when it was suggested James Harrison was a mentor. Anthony Ciccolo basically said that James Harrison treated him like a nobody, like Ciccolo was beneath Harrison. A lot of things make James Harrison a bad guy, but I'm not sure that does. You're all on the same team, but should you really be expected to train somebody to take your job? Perhaps there is no I in team, but you always want me on that paycheck as long as possible. You want to keep your backup down, not help them out. If that conflicts with your team concept, you should wake up and grow up. I'm glad Dupree and Chicolo exposed Harrison in that regard, and it did not surprise me. But among Harrison's many perceived sins, that's one of the least. The Florian Murray stuff with the Penguins, it was legit and it was nice. But it was rare, and it ended with Murray taking Flurry's job and Flurry departing Pittsburgh. Dupree and Chicolo are still here, and Harrison is gone. You compete for wins and for championships, but jobs and money are probably more important. Sick again. Brought to you by 84 Lumber, showing you the right way to build since 1956. I can definitely see Harrison big time in Chicolo. And Harrison had to see Dupree as a threat. And it's easy to see Harrison being a dink about that, too. Harrison is a dink, period. A piece of crap. But guys want to keep their jobs. Harrison probably thought he could play forever. Every athlete does, really. You know what's kind of weird? Ben, when he talked, was still kind of in Harrison's corner. That strikes me as odd. I'm not outraged. Different people see other people different ways. But one guy spoke out, not for Harrison, but, uh, but didn't bury him, and that was the Steelers quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger. I still think the Steelers made a mistake cutting Harrison to let him go to New England. You know what the Steelers should have done with Harrison? Not played him. Not cut him. Just keep deactivating. And if he acted up and caused problems, as he reportedly did, just send him home. Instead, you gave Harrison his way, out of respect, I guess, and now you got this major distraction. You know, we're not talking about at all the Browns game on Sunday. Well, we are now, kind of, because the news is breaking that Ben, Bell, and Brown will not play, which is a great decision made by Mike Tomlin, the Steelers coach. Really, what's there to talk about when the Steelers are hosting the Browns in a meaningless contest. The Browns are 0-15. They stink. And if the Steelers do play mostly their second string, 
I still think they're a heavy favorite to beat Cleveland and send them to 0-16. Hugh Jackson, the bronze coach, is apparently going to keep his job. And at first I thought, yeah, that makes sense. He has a good reputation, and he didn't have much to work with there. But then again, upon further review, you go 1-31 and in two seasons, you got to be fired. I don't care what your rep is. I don't care what your pedigree is. You go 1-31 and over two seasons, you have just got to be fired. Let's go to Tony in Moon Township. Tony. You're on the Mark Madden Show. What's going on, Mark? Hi, Tony. Hey, just so you know, you're absolutely right about Harrison. I think, you know, we should have kept him but just sat him, basically. He's too old. Yeah, I think they should have just kept deactivating him. And if he, you know, did stuff like, you know, snore during position meetings and leave the stadium as soon as we deactivated, just say to him, look, don't come to work anymore. You're on the team. You're going to get a paycheck. But you're never going to play for the Steelers again. And we just want you to stay away. And if you show up on the premises, we will have security escort you out. Stay away. That's what they should have done. Plenty of big guys. We'll get a new guy just like him. It's coming. I think they well, already have guys just like him. I, I mean, I know T.J. Watt isn't yet the Steelers' all-time sack leader like James Harrison, but he had a pretty good rookie year. Marcus du- uh, excuse me, Bud Dupree had six sacks just like Watt. And that's not spectacular, but... The Steelers' pass rush in that 3-4 has kind of become more interior-driven. Look at Cam Hayward, who lines up mostly as an inside lineman. He had 12 sacks this year. So that outside backer spot that Watt plays and Harrison used to, that's become a position where the guy drops back just as much as he blitzes. And Watt does that better now than Harrison ever could and much better now than Harrison currently can. That's right. All right, thanks to call, Tony. 412-333-9939. Let's talk to Jason in Robinson. Jason, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Good day, Mr. Madden. What up? Hey, you know, I kind of disagree about what you said about a guy shouldn't prep his backup to take his job. Because I think it rarely happens where a guy actually takes your job. But if you're going to get hurt... Well, let let me make clear my stance. He probably should within the context of a team. But I don't blame him when he doesn't. And I can cite a lot of examples where the guy doesn't, more so than when the guy does. The guy will often pay lip service to doing or do the minimal in that regard, but but not really. Well, I mean, even the worst-case scenario for the starter is the guy takes his job and he gets cut, and then, boom, he's a free agent again, and he probably stands to make a decent amount of guaranteed money again. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen with Harrison, do you? Not Harrison, but most guys that aren't 40 years old. Well, again, what you should do and what reality dictates are often two different things. And don't you see the disparity here? I do. I definitely do. I mean, what would you do? What do you do for a living? I'm not going to make fun of it. I work for a pizza shop. Okay, I might make fun of it. But but okay, would you train a guy to take your job? If I thought that doing so might open me up to a better job, maybe. I'll give you an example. In the pizza field, you can relate to. And if you know who this applies to, don't say it, because I'm not 100% sure the story's accurate, but there are two very famous pizza shops in the same neighborhood of Pittsburgh. There used to be only one. 
a guy who worked at the uh, original got the recipe for pizza under the premise he was going to open up another shop far away. Well, he opened up that shop three doors away. And he made a couple minor alterations to the recipe, but he basically stole the recipe and moved three doors away and, and competed. Uh, you know, I, I prefer to be number one at my job and make the most money. Would I teach someone to take my place? You know, I can't say I wouldn't because I've honestly given advice to a lot of people who work in my business in this town. Most of them have totally ignored me, which is why I'll be on top forever. Forever, I tell you. 412-333-9939. Okay, let's reset the big stories and get some calls going next segment because after that we talk to Josh Showy about the Penguins. By the way, I have to give myself some credit. Uh, my three shows this week have been tremendous, if I do say so. What do you think? You can tweet me about that, but I think I've been just spot on all week, perhaps adrenalized by the James Harrison story, which, kicking a ballistic, that is right up my alley. Steelers will not pay, play Ben, Bell, and Braun on Sunday. Good move or bad move? I can't see where anybody would criticize that decision. There's still fallout with the James Harrison situation. The Penguins won last night. I'd love a whole segment of hockey calls coming up at 412-333-WXDX. Penguins won last night. They were down 4-2 with six minutes left. They beat Columbus 5-4 via shootout after Malkin and Gensel scored late, and then Malkin and Sid scored in the overtime. Penguins played a gutsy game, went to the net, uh, killed a penalty in overtime, uh, recovered from a winning goal being waved off in overtime. So while the Penguins were far from perfect, came out flat again, and that's disgusting, again, they showed some resilience. I don't see it as a turning point, but I see it as perhaps some essential points to get, especially against a division foe, although the Blue Jackets did get out of Pittsburgh with a loser point for the second consecutive week. So any and all of those topics, don't sing it, bring it. Now, 412-333-WXDX. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan. Mark, good afternoon. Yeah, I want to talk to Mark Madden. What do you want? What do you want? Damn it! DX at 105.9. Wow, this kind of snuck up on me. It is she with whom I am totally smitten, Tegan Presley, who has resumed her Triple X career, will be a cheerleader's. Uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. Can't wait for that. Have to get Tegan in for a podcast. Uh, hopefully she'll be available. Um, it, it, the news breaking, the Steelers will not play Ben, Bell, or Brown against Cleveland. At least that's what Marcus Gilbert, the starting right tackle, said today to the media. Dale Lawley of DK Pittsburgh Sports also reporting that uh, Bell will not play. Wally talked to Bell about the potential of not playing against Cleveland and how that might cost him the NFL rushing title. Bell said, quote, I just want to win the Super Bowl. I don't really care about the rushing title. I want to make sure I'm healthy for the playoffs and make a run to the Super Bowl. So perfect attitude by Le'Veon Bell there, which isn't always the case. 
Uh, so, Bell, Bron, Ben, apparently not going to play against Cleveland Sunday. I want your reaction, 4-1-2-3-3-3, WXDX, but I think that's a terrific move, and I don't really see how anybody could possibly think otherwise. I'd like to thank a couple of my sponsors, Window Nation and uh, Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman, for sending some delightful gift baskets to celebrate the holiday season. And also I'd like to thank, once again, Matt Mertz Plumbing for showing up at my house a couple days ago when my furnace went kablooey and making sure I didn't freeze to death with instantaneous and very effective and reasonably priced service to my furnace. Let's go now to uh, Grant in South Fayette. Grant, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Uh, I was listening to your take uh, and that of another caller on uh, the Steelers uh, sitting, you know, Ben, Bell, and Brown this weekend. And uh, I agree completely. However, I wanted to throw a scenario at you uh, just to see uh, what, what you think if this would come up. Uh, you know, I'm, I assume you got eyes on that game in Foxborough. And sh- should the Patriots find themselves down, say, at the half this weekend, which is unlikely, I know, but should they find themselves down and the Steelers find themselves in a close game or even down at the half as well. I leave my second string in. You, you're, you go with that decision. If my right plan out. is to play my second string against Cleveland, I stick to that plan for the entirety of the game, regardless of what happens in Foxborough. Okay, that's all I didn't know. If you for one thing, your second string should be able to beat the 0-15 bronze, correct? Correct. You would hope so. And you for another... Even if the Patriots trail at halftime, how often, and how often in recent weeks even, have they taken a close game at halftime and blown it open in the second half, as against Buffalo? Yeah, I, I agree. And, and we, we are all too familiar with that. They didn't blow it open, but we, we saw that turn out. I so. do not play it by ear. I use my second team, you know, the guys we're talking about, at, at quarterback, running back, and receiver, for the entirety of the game against Cleveland. Because... Let me give you a scenario. Let's say you hastily put in uh, Lev Bell in the second half because, you know, you're trailing and New England's trailing and you sense opportunity that you might squander if you lose, and then Bell gets hurt. Even if you win and get home field, it's more crucial to have Levy on Bell healthy. Now I know, like Belichick says, if you know when a guy's going to get hurt, let me know and I won't play him then. But I still think keeping Ben... Bell and Brown out of this game against Cleveland Sunday. That's just common sense. Let's go to Nick in the car. Nick, you're on with these super genius. Hey, Mark. Back to the James Harrison situation. Um, I'm a little confused on a couple things. One is, you know, preseason, knowing now what we know, but preseason, I wasn't sure why they kept Harrison, but my main thought was, well, he's a – He's an insurance policy, but they're probably going to keep him around to help mentor these players. Nick, Nick, I think they kept him around believing he would mentor the players, but I also think they thought, and they promised him, that he was going to start playing more in the middle of the season like last year. But every football season is a liquid situation, and at midseason, they were in the middle of an eight-game winning streak, and T.J. Watt was playing just fine. And to answer your question, then, then yes, he should have mentored them, even though because that was part of his deal, I guess, for his job. However, the Steelers did um, 
go back well, on. I don't know if that was a spoken part of keeping Harrison, and it obviously wasn't in his contract. Of all the things you want to blame James Harrison for, all these sins committed on his way out the door here in Pittsburgh, the least of them is not mentoring those guys because, again, if you don't teach someone how to take your job, I really don't blame you. Up next, going to talk cocky with the man who covers the Penguins for TheAthletic.com. It's Josh Owey on 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Well, I'm not sure. It's just big and it's soft and I use a bunch of pillows and I snore. The X at 105.9. More breaking news. Not only are the Steelers going to sit Ben, Bell, and Brown for the season finale against Cleveland Sunday, Juju Smith-Schuster has been named the team's rookie of the year. Not that that is even remotely unexpected. Joining me now to talk hockey from TheAthletic.com, it's Penguins beat writer Josh Owey. Josh, I don't sense that last night's win was a turning point, but it was definitely needed, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, the Penguins are at the point right now where you, you can't be taking points for granted, and they did get two points last night, which they badly needed. And I, I will say this, Mark, it was not a pretty game. It was not a perfect game. But for anybody who thinks the Penguins just don't care right now, uh, that they just think they're going to show up in April and flip the switch. Well, they played hard last night. And the second and third periods, they simply outworked Columbus. Um, it was one of their better wins of the season. I realize the Blue Jackets had a lot of guys out of the lineup, and the Penguins still did a lot of things poorly. But they certainly showed some life last night, and that was encouraging, I think. Matt Murray struggled a bit recently, did not practice today, will be unavailable at Carolina tomorrow. What's going on with him? Well, he has some kind of an injury. Um, I will say this, though. He, he was fighting the puck last night as much as maybe I've ever seen him. Uh, he did not look at all comfortable. And, you know, that three-day layoff for a goaltender might be harder than other positions. Those guys are used to facing shots every single day. Go three shots without really doing or three days without doing much. Uh, perhaps that had an effect on him. But I would suggest, Mark, that he hasn't really been himself since returning to the lineup in Vegas on December 14th. Hasn't been horrible but he hasn't been good enough. And I, I think he's been fine for most of the season because I don't think the team has played well in front of him at all. But they need him to raise his game at some point. Uh, there's no question about that. He's just been so-so. That's not good enough. What's the nature of Chad Ruedel's injury? How close is Justin Schultz to returning? How bad is Latang hurt? And, boy, that defense right now is pretty ripped up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. that's a lot of questions, Mark. And uh, maybe trading Ian Cole right now isn't such a good idea, by the way, with all these people banged up all of a sudden. And uh, Alexiak not exactly looking all that impressive in his first few games as a Penguin. Uh, Ruedel's out a few weeks. Uh, he got hurt delivering a hit, actually, in the second period last night. You could see he uh, responded quite negatively after delivering that hit in the corner to Matt Murray's right. Um, so he's out a few weeks. Justin Schultz isn't too far away. I would expect in the next week or so he might be back. He is skating again. He needs to practice and uh, get some hits in with the team. But I would think maybe by the end of this upcoming road trip, uh, he will be back in the lineup. In fact, two weeks ago, uh, or one week ago, rather, Jim Rutherford told me that Schultz will be out for two more weeks. So do the math, probably one more week, and he's back. And, uh, boy, is he needed right now. Is Chris Letang available, like some media outlets are telling us? <laughs> He might be available, but it would certainly have to be for the right price. Um, I'm not under the impression that the Penguins are actively dangling Chris Letang and Trey Talks. 
And I don't know what Chris's value is right now when you consider he's not playing well. He makes a ton of money for a lot more term, I think four more years. He's coming off of a serious surgery. Um, there's a lot of red flags there, and I don't think there's a ton of interest in him. And I still don't think the Penguins really want to trade him. I, I, I would say that Crosby and Malkin and Murray are probably the only three guys who are 100% off limits. But this idea that Crystal Tang is about to be traded, um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I, I'm not really seeing that or hearing that right now. Well, I'm not sure, like you just said. What you get for him, given he's not in great form and given he's coming off major neck surgery. And furthermore, I don't know who picks up his minutes. I don't know who becomes the one-man breakout. And the team that gets the best player usually wins the deal. And any trade the Penguins would make involving Latang, he would be the best player in that deal. He certainly would. And if I'm the Penguins, and listen, and nobody is disputing that Latang has played very poorly this season. This is probably the worst hockey we've ever seen the guy play. And he can be infuriating when he's not playing well. That's just uh, the nature of Chris's style. But to me, the Penguins' best bet is to be loyal to this guy, to give him some more time and hope that he rounds into form. Because when he does, he's one of the great defensemen in this league. And and if you think the Penguins are going to win a Stanley Cup again without Chris Latang, no way. Uh, they're not, what they did last spring was extraordinary without him. But uh, I'm not betting on them doing that two years in a row or two years at all without him. He's not important to what they do. So, you know, I'm not saying they wouldn't trade him if somebody really blew them away. I suppose it's possible. But there's uh, some idea out there that a Latang trade is inevitable. I'm certainly not hearing that at all. Josh, in that vein, I'm beginning to think Jim Rutherford shouldn't make a big trade, not a big one, and just let the core that's won two or three Stanley Cups figure it out. That seems a better bet. I think it is. I think Jim should make a couple of smaller trades and get two or three guys in here who haven't played 50 playoff games in the last two years, and I think that's probably what he will do. Um, when you look at the core, uh, they're not young, but they're not that old. Uh, Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, Latang, Murray, um, that core should keep the Penguins as a legitimate Stanley Cup contender for at least three or four more years, I believe. So, you know, do you blow it all up because they've had one bad half of a season? No, of course you don't. Um, that said, if I'm Rutherford, I, I try to augment this roster to some extent, certainly to give them a realistic chance to not only get to the playoffs, but to be a factor when they arrive. Because I think we all feel like, Mark, if they get into the playoffs, if they're healthy, um, they can still work some magic. Somebody still has to beat them. You don't want to see your, your Stanley Cup defense end in April in the regular season. Uh, that's certainly no way to do it. But no, Rutherford's not going to blow up this core, nor should he. We're talking to Josh Joey of TheAthletic.com. You're on the home of the Penguins, 105.9 The X. Let's get back to that defensive core for a second, Josh. Has Ian Cole played his way back into good graces? Because he's done well lately, and guys like Hunwick have been useless. I think, you know, I never thought Cole was really playing poorly enough to be out of the lineup. Um, he certainly had some games where he was taking a lot of penalties, probably trying to do a little too much if I had to guess. I think he has clearly outplayed Matt Hunwick all season. I don't think that's even debatable. But Hunwick was very poor last night. He was beaten on a couple of really bad one-on-one rushes in the first period. Uh, Alexiak, uh, you got to give the guy a chance because he's new. I understand that. But he's kind of a project, Mark. And this is not a polished NHL defenseman. Um, to me, Ian Cole is a pretty important guy for the Penguins right now. He's still their best penalty killer. He's still, in my opinion, a legitimate top-four NHL defenseman. And I think he's been pretty good the last couple of games. So, yeah, 
Uh, he's not coming out of the lineup anytime soon, especially with the injury situation. Sid had one shot last night. He's not producing 5-on-5, five five, but I really do feel like the effort's there. I don't feel like he's far off. Why isn't Sid producing right now? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, the effort's never really a problem with Sid. I think sometimes when he's struggling, it looks like he's not interested. And anybody who knows Sidney Crosby or knows anything about him knows that's not the case. His confidence level goes up and down just like anyone else's does. And I think he's going through a little bit of that right now. I also don't think he's getting any cheap power play points. And that might not sound like a big deal. But, boy, you can uh, you know be a great player and be kind of invisible and still put up a couple of points and nobody says anything. And, you know, there have been games where Malkin wasn't that great this year, but he still gets a couple of points on the power play. Because Sid's playing down low, which is where he should be on the power play, he's not getting as many touches. And because of that, he's not getting his points. I think it's going to come. I really do. I think it's a matter of time. And I've seen some progress in his game in recent performances. I think he's close to breaking out. Well, you mentioned Gino, and he was great last night. His yeah. game had a lot of craft, power, and change of pace. He really did have the jackets kind of clutching at straws, didn't he? He did. And what I love about Gino right now, when he's at his best, he just loves to take over games in the third period. It reminds me a little bit of when Yarmer Yager was young. He was the same way. Uh, Gino just wants to puck right now. And you could sense it in that Western road trip, and especially in uh, Phoenix and Denver. Um, the team was not playing well. Everybody knew it, and Malkin knew it. And he just got in one of those modes where he wanted the puck and he wanted to carry them. That's when he is at his best. Um, I thought he was great last night. That, that was a dominant performance. And uh, they need that from him right now. Crosby and Malkin both have to be better than they've been in the first couple of months. Um, with all due respect to Phil Kessel, who's having a wonderful season, he should not be leading the Penguins in scoring ever. Uh, one of those two guys always should be. And that tells you they just haven't been productive enough. They need to be better. And uh, especially in the case of Gino, boy, you're really seeing him kind of take the ball by the horns, uh, just like he did last night. The Penguins went to the net more last night and got rewarded. That's a simple solution, Josh, and maybe there's a few more like that out there. Yeah, I tend to agree. It's such of a hockey cliche to, you know, say keep it simple and go to the net, that kind of thing. But in the case of the Pittsburgh Penguins, it actually does work. Uh, I know for a fact Mike Sullivan has been more furious with his team than usual about trying to be too pretty, too cute, too much on the perimeter. Uh, when he gets irritated, especially with the Penguins forwards, that's almost always why. He happens to believe, and I agree with him, that even though, yes, they're an incredibly highly skilled team, these guys, especially guys like Crosby and Gensel, they're at their best when they stand five feet from the net and just take a beating, and, and they just have that knack to score these dirty goals. And you saw it on the game-time goal with Gensel. You saw it on Malkin's goal. And Solomon is convinced that that's the formula for those guys. And two years ago, when Crosby was in his horrible slump after at the end of the Mike Johnson era, the first thing Solomon said to him was, go to the net. I want you to stand by the net. That's where you will score. And that's exactly what happened, and I think that works for the entire team. The Penguins got two more power play goals last night. They have 35 on the season and are converting 25% of the time, which is second best in the league. The power play has been their saving grace, hasn't it? It has. Uh, I give Phil Kessel probably the most credit for that. Yeah, but throw Hornquist in there, too. For all that we talk about Crosby and Malkin and LePang, and listen, they're all great, but the fact is, Hornquist might be the best net front guy in the league on the power play. I don't know that anyone's better. And Phil Kessel um, has been extraordinarily good on the power play. Those two guys 
have probably been the Penguins' two most consistent performers all season, and they just so happen to play on the power play. And, and Jake Gensel, when he gets out there with the top unit, boy, he doesn't look out of place either. So uh, the Penguins have got so many weapons. You think of the three guys I just mentioned. Didn't even mention Crosby and Malkin. So they should be really good on the power play, and they are. And given how they've been five-on-five, it's a good thing. Let, let's stay with that power play because I agree Kessel's been a big factor in Hornquist too, but a lot of times the power play still irritates me, Josh. Even though it's been very <laughs> successful, it usually still overpasses and doesn't shoot nearly enough. I, I guess that's fair. I mean, it could be better. Well, no whatever works, works. <laughs> but, it, but it's certainly the non-traditional way of succeeding on the power play. No, you're right. This isn't a power play that, you know, get it to the point and shoot the puck and crash the net and outnumber them down low. That's just not how this group operates. And I would think for, for the Mark Reckies and Sergey Gonchars who work with this power play, I'm sure it's frustrating to some extent because all of these guys kind of think the game in a different way and do their own thing. But somehow it works. And, and the fact that it's going through Kessel more than anyone, I think that's a big part of it. I, I think... It, crazy as it might sound, he might be more of a natural power play quarterback guy than Crosby or Malkin even. And I didn't know that about Phil when he came to Pittsburgh, but after watching him for a couple of years, it's kind of hard to deny it. Uh, Josh, the Penguins are at Carolina tomorrow, then at Detroit, at Philadelphia. A three-game road trip was always tough, but if the Penguins can at least maintain their tenacity, those are certainly three beatable opponents uh, even on the road. Yeah, they are. Um Sure, they're on the road, but these aren't particularly good teams. So none of them are really horrible right now either. But the Penguins are to the point where, especially when they're playing teams that aren't very good, they've got to start accumulating some points here. This can't be some you know one and two road trip. Yeah, they they need to win like three or four in a row right quick. They really do because you know look at the standings. Uh, the Metropolitan Division; these teams aren't going anywhere. Uh, the Penguins aren't going to sleep their way into the playoffs. Uh, they need to put together a string at some point and quite frankly, be much better in the second half than they were in the first. And the more they lose to bad teams, and we've seen them recently lose to teams like the Avalanche on two occasions and a couple of other ones, uh, you can't keep doing that. You've got to take advantage of these. So uh, this is a pretty big trip, I believe. Josh, good stuff. We'll do it again next week. All right, Mark, you got it. That's Josh Showy. Check out his fine work at theathletic.com. Uh, the Steelers gave out a couple more awards today. Yesterday, Antonio Brown was named the MVP as voted upon by his teammates. I'll give you a couple more awards uh, announced today. I'll talk about that in just a couple minutes. And uh, even though it's a meaningless game, Ben not starting gives rise to a bit of a quarterback controversy for the season finale against Cleveland. Who would you rather see play, Landry Jones or Dobbs? I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Double M, what's going on? He's a gangster. Yes, I need your advice, super genius. You're an ass, you're an ass, you're an ass. PX at 105.9. Just wondering, if James Harrison goes to New England and the Patriots win the Super Bowl, but Harrison is never active, he never plays, will he give back the ring and the Super Bowl bonus? Wouldn't those be participation trophies? Maybe not even, because Harrison would not have participated. Double M on the X, this segment brought to you by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. A, a couple off-the-wall topics I'd like to throw back out there. Who is eating roadkill? 
In Pennsylvania, it's legal to eat roadkill. Apparently, people often do it. They'll, like, get a deer carcass off the side of the road after it's been hit. I imagine you'd want, you know, pretty freshly bumper-stunned venison. You wouldn't want it to sit there for days, right? But has anybody out there ever eaten roadkill? If so, specifically what? I'm assuming deer, but maybe possum, little raccoon, wild turkey. That's good eating. Has anyone out there ever eaten roadkill? And has anybody seen the new porn series, Bratty Teens? How could you not watch a porn series entitled Bratty Teens? That is just so full of life and promise. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, in addition to Antonio Brown being named the Steelers MVP yesterday, as voted upon by his teammates. Juju Smith-Schuster was today named the uh, Steelers Rookie of the Year. Pretty obvious choice, as voted on by the local chapter of the football writers. And David DeCastro was named the media good guy. The guy who talks the most to the ink-stained wretches and microphone jockeys. That's probably not the hardest award to win, I'm thinking, in that locker room. Oh, and in that vein, uh, I reported earlier that Tim Benz says that Marcus Gilbert said that Ben, Bell, and Brown will not be playing in Sunday's season finale against Cleveland. Uh, Marcus Gilbert since tweeted that he did not say that, but uh, I'm going to believe Benz. I'm sure he recorded it, wouldn't have tweeted if it wasn't true. Now, that gives rise to a bit of a quarterback controversy for Sunday with Ben not playing. Who would you rather see play, Landry Jones or Josh Dobbs? That's a debate. That's a thing on Twitter right now, as pathetic as that is. I'd rather see Landry Jones play because I think Josh Dobbs stinks. And I'm telling you, you don't want to believe it, but it's true. Oh, it's damn true. Landry Jones will be the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers the season after Ben retires. Take that to the bank. So give him a start. Give him snaps. Let him go out there and get done what he can, albeit against a really rotten team, the 0-15 Browns. But uh, Landry Jones definitely plays the whole game. If I'm Mike Tomlin and Ben sits against Cleveland on Sunday. 4-1-2. 333-9939 is the number to call. Of all the things that, that Steeler players are now saying James Harrison did, I think the least offensive is not mentoring uh, guys like Dupree and Chicolo, TJ Watt too. I am not sure that I would train a guy to take my job. I know there is no I in team. It's what you're supposed to do. I'm not so sure I'd do it. And therefore, I'm not sure I blame Harrison for not doing it. I think the most ridiculous things he did are sleeping and snoring in a recliner during position meetings and leaving the stadium as soon as he was declared inactive. That's not being a teammate. I'm sure Harrison felt no pity when he was in his prime for players who weren't being used like they liked. But the minute he got used, he didn't get used like he preferred, he turned into a selfish jerk, which is what he was all along. Believe me, 
What you saw from James Harrison on his way out the door, that's the real James Harrison. That's James Harrison as he's always been. We got Mike and Brian on hold. We'll get to you in just a second. But just around the corner, I'm going to tell you the least entertaining thing going on right now in the sports world. 105.9 The X.